Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I pray that you speak this morning. I thank you for your word, and I pray you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start a new series today. It's called Unlocking the Parables. Uh, Unlocking the Parables. Now, uh, to say that Jesus liked to teach in parables, uh, it's a little bit of an understatement. Uh, Actually, about a third of his recorded teachings come to us in parables. And if we took all of the parables that Jesus ever taught and we went over one a week as a church, we would be in the same series for 10 months. Uh, because Jesus taught at least 44 recorded parables in Scripture, and the Bible implies that there were many more that weren't recorded. Now, what exactly is a parable? The most common definition that you'll hear is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but that's, uh, that's not really doing it justice because it's so much more uh, than just that. When Jesus taught in parables, to those who took the, the time to actually Uh, investigate and figure out what they meant. The parables revealed, the Bible says, mysteries of the kingdom of God, secrets of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you that beginning in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. It says, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. The reason that Jesus taught in parables is because there were secrets of the kingdom of God that the disciples understood that the crowds did not understand. And within those parables were secrets being revealed of the kingdom of God. He reiterates this a few verses later in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 34. It says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet, referring to Psalm 78, when he said, I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. What was happening when Jesus spoke in a parable? It wasn't just a surface illustration. The Bible says he was revealing things that had been hidden since the creation of the world. It's it's so fascinating when you look into parables and when you look into them uh, in depth. But there are two keys that we find in Scripture with parables. To those who would seek out their meaning, to them the secrets of the kingdom of God would be revealed. To those who would not seek them out, the mysteries would remain hidden. This is the reason that Jesus said, to them who have ears, let them hear. To them who had listening ears, let them hear. Unless we seek out the meaning of the parables, it remains hidden. Uh, The book of Proverbs, Solomon actually said, it's the glory of God to hide a matter, to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. God wants to be pursued. Even over something such as the parables, he wants us to to make an effort to discover what they mean, what the truths are within them. And, And it's only when we sit down and we examine the parables that we find out those secrets that are there hidden there. And you say, why don't we just wait? Or why didn't the people just wait and listen to Jesus's explanation of the parables? Now, I didn't know this until this week as I was studying of the 44 parables that Jesus spoke. How many of them did he explain to the crowds? And the answer is actually zero. Jesus never explained the meaning of any of his parables to the crowds. 
the disciples would come to him after and they would say, will you reveal to us the meaning of the parable? And he would tell the disciples the meaning of the parable. But to the crowds, he left it almost as a riddle. Uh, and he said, if, if, you'll, if you'll take the time to dive into this parable, you'll discover the secrets of the kingdom of God. In Mark uh, 4.34, we see this. It says, Jesus did not say anything to the crowds without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, then he explained everything. It was to his disciples that he explained the meaning of, of many of the parables. Now, the, the parable we're looking at today is one of those that he explained to his disciples. It's one of only three parables that occurs in all of the synoptic gospels. And it's the first one that occurs in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the, sh the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So the Bible says, first of all, that Jesus is at the lake, and, and it's the Sea of Galilee that it's talking about here. When the crowd grows so large that he actually gets into the boat and they push him out into the lake so that he can speak from the lake. And, and uh, kind of an interesting note here, we believe we know the location where this took place and the location is actually named after this parable. It's called the Cove of the Sower and we have a picture of it. This is on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you can see where there's a cove there and we'll show you one more picture. So we believe that Jesus was on the boat and he went out into that cove and you can see it's almost like an amphitheater where people could sit surrounding him and he could speak literally to thousands of people and they would be able to hear him. But he ends this parable by saying, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, why does Jesus end the parable in this way? So if we go back to Matthew 13, the disciples asked Jesus why he speaks in parables and he answered, beginning in verse 13, he said, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not uh, understand, hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. So uh, is this a matter of intellect? Uh, when Jesus is, is talking about their inability to hear or perceive, is he talking about uh, their, in, the, their ability to, uh, to intellectually uh, figure out what he's talking about. If we go back, we'll read verse 14 again. It says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Why? Verse 15 tells us. It says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, if their hearts hadn't, had not become calloused, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So when, when Jesus is talking about this inability to hear and to perceive, it's not an intellect, intellectual matter. It's actually a heart matter. 
what he's talking about is hearts that have become so calloused that they can't receive what Jesus is saying and they can't see what is plainly before them. Now, do you know what's kind of scary about this passage is, is who is Jesus talking about that has the calloused hearts? Remember, this crowd has traveled near and far. This crowd that has come to hear Jesus speak uh, has grown so large that he has to get into a boat and push out into the water. It is a, a huge crowd. And Jesus, talking about this crowd to his disciples, says, their hearts are so calloused and so hardened that they can't hear a word I'm saying and they can't see what is plainly before them. A crowd gathered in the name of Jesus is no indication of the condition of one's heart. Church can't be about the size of the church. Church has to be about the condition of the heart. You can have a church of thousands of people. I mean, that's what we have here is thousands of people that have gathered to hear Jesus speak the gospel truth. And the Bible says their hearts are so calloused that they can't hear a word. We should continually be examining the conditions of our heart because this is what this parable is all about. We'll look at this more in just a moment, but first we're going to read Jesus, his interpretation of the meaning of the parable for his disciples. Beginning in verse 18 of Matthew, in Matthew 13, it says, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I want to go quickly back to verse 19 and show you something here. It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. If we read just that verse and no surrounding context, it seems so unfair. You're telling me just because someone doesn't understand the gospel, Satan can come snatch it away. But you have to remember that Jesus just gave the context when he read from Isaiah and he said, when I'm talking about someone who doesn't understand, it's not because of their intellectual knowledge. It's because their hearts have become so calloused. So what Jesus is actually saying here is that when someone sees but doesn't perceive or hear, uh, hears but they don't understand, it's because their hearts have become so calloused uh, towards God. It's a, it's a reference to calloused hearts. Now, there are four conditions of the heart represented in, in this parable. The first is that, actually. It's the calloused heart. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God, and because of their hard and calloused heart, they don't receive it, Satan comes and he takes it away immediately. Uh, th there's no fruit. There's no growth. Uh, there, there, there's, there's nothing to it. It's in one ear and out the other. Why? Because their calloused heart, their heart has become hard. Now, what causes our hearts to harden? 
Now, when I was about 13, uh, I began playing the guitar. If you've ever tried to learn the guitar, you know that uh, in the beginning it's very painful uh, because your fingertips are very soft and fleshy. And when you're pressing down on, on the strings in the beginning, uh, it, it hurts a lot. Uh, Dan, can you back me up on that? <laughs> but what happens over time is if you refuse to stop, if you refuse to let up and you just continue uh, over and over and over, then you develop calluses on your finger. And where you used to have feeling in your fingers, now you can feel nothing. Now, when you're playing the guitar, this is a good thing. But spiritually, this is detrimental because there's a similarity with believers where we can become calloused in our hearts. Uh, there, there's a similarity if there's sin in your life and there are specific areas of sin that you let just kind of continue to happen. And it used to be sporadic, but you're kind of letting it go more and more and more and it's becoming common. Uh, what's happen happening is your heart is becoming callous to that sin. Your heart is becoming hard to that sin. So when the Holy Spirit tries to convict you of, of that sin so that you'll stop it, where you used to have feeling in your heart has become calloused over because you've given yourself over to it. Uh, another example is if you harbor bitterness or anger towards God. Maybe you lost a family member. Uh, maybe you, you lost someone special in your life and there's a bitterness towards God. If you harbor that and you don't let it go, what's going to happen uh, is that bitterness will become a hard heart. You'll become calloused towards the word of God. But I'll say this. As I've gotten older... I find less and less time to play the guitar. You almost got to hear me play it this morning. Praise God, you didn't. But what happens now is those calluses have actually gone away, and I feel every bit of it again when I start playing the guitar again. My fingertips over time have become soft and flesh-like once again. So maybe you're here and you say, yeah, my heart is calloused. Is it too late? No. Uh, if you begin to submit to God, those calluses can go away and you can become soft and receptive to the word of God again. But the first condition of the heart represented in the parable is the calloused heart. The second condition we find in verse 20 to 21, it says the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word of God and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now we'll call this the casual heart. So you have the calloused heart and you have the casual heart. Bible says when trouble, which literally means when pressure comes because of the word or persecution, or Luke said times of testing come because of the word. Jesus said when that happens, because your roots are deep, you, you, you fade away, you, you quickly fall away. The second heart condition here, it, it, it's actually the Bible says it's a person who receives the word of God with joy. Initially, they receive the word of God, but they don't put down roots. There's no depth to the relationship with God in its very surface. And, and what I've seen in my lifetime happening in the church, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, is, is so much in Christianity, the church has become dependent upon the pastor and the teacher for their depth in God. We've become dependent upon the teachers of the church for us to have a deep relationship with God. Now, that's kind of problematic because uh, many, many churches are just tickling the ears of the congregation and telling them everything that they want to hear. And if we're depending on the pastors and the teachers for our own depth in the word of God, 
and we, and we begin teaching health, wealth, and prosperity and nothing else, what happens is our heart is positioned on stony ground where we actually have no roots and we have no depth. So when persecution comes, just like Jesus said, when trouble comes, when testing comes, we fall away because we have no depth. It's important that we recognize that, that the church is not responsible for your roots growing deep. The church is here to supplement your roots growing deep. But you have to grow your roots in God. You have to anchor yourself to God through reading the word of God on your own time, through prayer on your own time, through worship, through seeking the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. Because as Jesus talks about, Jesus talks about when times of persecution come. And you know, in our lives, that's always been figurative. You know, persecution is like someone making fun of me for my faith. But we're heading straight for a time where persecution means persecution. Persecution means they can cancel your bank account. Persecution means you're, you're going to be in the courtroom. When Jesus talks about a coming persecution, so, so get rooted in your faith. We are headed in that direction. Get rooted in your faith so that you are prepared for those days when they do come. That seed on the rocky ground, we call it the casual heart. In Matthew 13, 22, we find the third heart. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone, Jesus said, who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. We'll call this the crowded heart. You might call it the divided heart. If we take uh, this parable, remember it re it's found in all of the synoptic gospels. And when, when they translate this, they, they kind of focus on a different part of the seed that's on the thorny ground. So we're going to look at four things they say that's representative of the thorny ground. The first thing, uh, Matthew 13, 22, is the deceitfulness of wealth. This happens when our security becomes dependent upon our money. Uh, when the goal of our lives becomes uh, our finances and financial security and everything is about money. Now, here's what's, uh, what we have to notice about this. is It's called the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, the thing about being deceived is by nature, those who have been deceived don't know that they're deceived. Right? So when it talks about the deceitfulness of wealth, nobody is deceived by wealth knowingly. What we have to do is we have to come to the word of God and we have to prioritize our own wealth and our own pursuit of wealth based on the kingdom of God and based on the word of God. The second thing we find again in Matthew 13, 22 is the worries of this life, whether again that's finances or the future or the economy. The Bible says that the worries of life can choke out our faith. The next thing in Luke chapter 8, 14 is the pleasures of life. So in the worries of life, we have the bad things that can choke out our faith. The pleasures of life, we have the good things that can choke out our faith. And I can tell you as a pastor in my limited amount of time pastoring, I've seen far more people fall away from the faith based on the pleasures of life more so than the worries of life. Because when people are worried about things, they're coming to the church and crying out to God. But when things start going right, they, they okay, I've got it going now. I don't need the church so much. And the pleasures of life actually trip them up and lead them to fall away. And then finally in Mark chapter 4, verse
verse 19, he just sums it up by saying the desire for other things. In other words, anything else, anything that we elevate to the position of our relationship with God and our faith with God can begin to spring up, to, to, to grow and grow. Whose kids are those back there? To grow and grow and choke out our faith. Now, we have a garden uh, at home. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing is, we weeded our garden last year. I remember weeding our garden last year. And this year, we had so many weeds in our garden. We, uh, she spent more time than I have. But hours and hours and hours weeding this garden that we just weeded last year. And do you know what it needs right now? It needs to be weeded again. It's even a very fruitful garden. It's the most fruitful garden we've ever planted. Yet there are weeds everywhere. And sometimes I get in there and I see this weed. And I remember, I'm pretty sure that I took you out last year. I'm pretty sure I already dealt with you. And it's the exact same thing when the Bible is talking about these thorns and these weeds that spring up and they begin to choke out our faith. Sometimes issues are going to spring up in your life and you're going to be like, I thought I dealt with you last year. I thought I already took care of you and uprooted you. But here you are again. We have to constantly, constantly be maintaining our garden, even in the fruitful seasons of life. We have to be maintaining the garden. Tricia, could you come? And then finally, in Matthew 13, 23, Jesus said, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And we call this the cultivated heart. It's someone who receives the gospel and they put down roots, and they keep the soil free of weeds. Now, what is the most single, uh, the single most prominent indicator of a, a healthy garden? It's that it's producing fruit. And, and in fact, when Jesus was talking about the thorns, he said the problem with the thorns uh, is they keep you from producing fruit. What indicates a healthy soil this should be called the parable of the soils instead of the parable of the sower because it's all about the soil. The soil and the condition of your heart. The most prominent indicator of a healthy heart in Christ is that you are producing fruit. And if you look at your life and you say, I'm not producing any fruit, then what we have is a list of things to go through. Have I given in to the deceitfulness of wealth? or the pleasures of this life, or the worries of this life stronger than my faith in Christ. Jesus gives us an entire list here to go through if we're not producing fruit because our goal as Christians is to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Can you stand with me? Lord, as Trisha leads us this morning, we just invite your spirit to examine our hearts. Lord, are we producing fruit for you and for your kingdom? Are there weeds in our garden? Are there stones and rocks and thorns in our garden? Lord, as Trish is leading us, I pray that you would reveal those places to us. In Jesus' name, take just a few minutes, church.
pray uh, as we leave today that we would be a fruitful people, God. That the callous places in our heart we would begin to soften before you and allow you in. Any walls that we've built up, Lord, I pray that your spirit would break through them, God. God, that you produce fruit in Manino County. Again, God, we ask your, your blessings and protection over all who are traveling today. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you guys on vacation next week? Is that, are we taking shifts? No, no thank you so much for coming. Um, the 13th is two Saturdays from now. So if you can be there here at 8, Dave leads that. Uh, it's a free breakfast, if nothing else, and uh, we just talk about outreach. Uh, and then if you want to join us going on the outreach, then we invite you to do that as well. So, break. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.